Shall we begin? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Differential FPL podcast. Hope everyone is doing well, having a good weekend. Today, we're doing something a little different, like we do with um, Wahala and Namdi. Both of them are with us today. I'm going to start off with Namdi. Namdi, how's it going? I'm good, man, but I can't wait to see who you speak to when you go to Wahala, since you want to talk to Wahala and Namdi. <laughs> oh, I did say Wahala and Namdi, sorry. <laughs> Wala and Alex, look at me, look at me. First off, you just call me like you just catch, you just catch me like that. It's all good. Nice one. <laughs> I think it's because nice, your nice Zoom name is Nabdi. Your Zoom name is Nabdi. That's why. That's why. I, uh, you know, but uh, that's why I did that. But go on. Nice for you. Nice to have you here again. I appreciate yeah, you right. coming. And Alex, OG, how's it going? I'm blessed, my bro. I'm blessed. Thanks for having yeah. me again. Yeah, nice one, man. Thanks for coming on. Look at that. I missed your name for Namdi's name, but it's all good. We're back on track. It's all good. We're back on track. Nice one. All Thanks. Good. Yeah. And we have a first time, um, I'll say guest, first time guest here. Um, well, I've known him for a while. Um, some of our um, of our listeners will probably have, um, have met him before. Fisayo, Mr. Fisayo Keshola, how are you doing? Thanks for coming too. What's good? Thanks for having me. Finally, I had to nice. beg. <laughs> you know, we, we like to get people here so that more people want to join. But you know, <laughs> thanks a lot for coming. And uh, before I move on here, could you just uh, just tell us who you support and how you started supporting them? So I'm an Arsenal fan. Uh, I started watching I, like I started watching football from a young age. First football I can really remember was USA 94, the World Cup. And then after that, I started watching club football. And yeah, I just fell in love with Arsenal around, I think, 95, 96. I started supporting. And yeah, been an Arsenal fan ever since. Yeah. And um, I've actually played football with Fasai a lot. And yeah, Fasai is a baller. I still teach him some tricks from time to time. But this is how they play ball. Nice. So, nice one. Thank you for coming on. And Thanks finally, nice one. Uh, finally, we have um, Larry. Larry has been here once before to talk FPL. Larry, how are you doing? Doing good, my brother. Had a good 12-hour nap last night. Feel good. Feel great. Had a dream that I shaved my pubes. So, I think I'm going to do that later on tomorrow. Just random. Putting it out there. But yeah, it's good to be on. Let's Hold up a second. Why would you put that out there? Why would you put that out there? Just, you know, energy. I'm I'm all positive vibes. I'm positive energy right now. So I'm giving that same energy in case anyone wants to tap into, you know, what's going on. But it might not be a bad idea. Uh, tap into sounds like such a bad word for that. But <laughs> no way. <laughs> we'll keep it moving. We'll keep it moving. Nice one, man. Thanks so much for coming on. And I guess I want to start with um, Alex today. And that shambolic refereeing decision, man. That was that was crazy. What, what what were your thoughts on that? Where do we start? Where do we even start? First of all, I cannot wait. Can I swear on this? I can't, right? That's the way normal people talk. Go ahead. Even if I can't swear, man. Fuck the referee, Simon <laughs> Hooper. Fuck the VRR, Darren England, and fuck his assistant, Dan Cook. All three of them, they should all die. 
no, go no. on. I'll, 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 let's keep it real. Yesterday, I only caught uh, the second half. Uh, I was assisted by my very good friend, Fisayo, who's on the line now, in regards to what was happening because I was out. So I, so I missed the first half of the game and I caught the second half. Then I watched the game again, just on emotions away, just to understand what actually went on. I just think all in all is a shambles. And I think everyone can agree. From the very first minute to the last minute, all the decisions went Tottenham's way. And we've all seen what's happened. Well, we've all heard what's happened on the back of that. Then they came out with a um, uh, with a note, the PGMOL. They admitted significant human error. But what? We didn't get any points. What happened? We moved. What I liked about what I saw yesterday, the positive side of things is with 10 men, we looked the better team. With nine men, I won't say we looked the better team, but we looked hungry and we looked like we knew what we were doing. So all in all, I'm not disheartened because I think we put in a great performance. We deserve definitely more than what we got. But like I said, Simon Hooper, I hope he dies tomorrow, man. That's it. I mean, that's a bit harsh. That's a bit harsh. I see where you're coming from, though. And um, I, I, I'm not like, I watched most of the second half, and I believe I started watching from the Diaz goal, the goal that apparently was not a goal. You know, I could have sworn, I mean, the way it looked, it looked like such a clear goal. So when the ref came back and he said, yeah, we're good to go, that, that goal is cancelled, I was surprised. But the reasons they gave were just, were crazy. I mean... What did you what did you think about that reason in that in that moment in time? Like how bad did you did you know that that decision was definitely bad? It was bad. And and they knew because um even Gary Neville came out to show a few clips like a minute after that bad decision happened. The VRR guys they definitely hit up the referee again because there was a moment that he tried to blow his whistle, like to halt the play or whatnot, and he just continued. So it was clear that they they, they recognized your fuck up. So instead of them to fix it, they just let it slide, thinking no one, no one would notice. But it just didn't make any sense because when you, I, I've read a bunch of tweets from different credible journalists and whatnot, just talking about the different reasons they've given as to why that goal wasn't given, and none actually makes sense. Not a single one makes sense. Someone has come out to say, "Oh, um, they didn't draw lines because at that point in time, the VRL guy went to go take a shit." I've seen another one that said they didn't draw lines because they wanted the game to just roll on quickly. They had wasted time with the Curtis Jones red card. They didn't want to waste time on this one. We've seen a bunch of excuses, but what's the, what's the name of the game? To score a goal, right? So the goal is the biggest thing you can do in a sport of football. So you need to make sure you get it right. And they got it wrong because at that point in time, if I'm not mistaken, it was nil-nil. So imagine taking the lead with 10 men. Hmm. Who knows how that game would have ended? So yeah, me, I mean, that just, yeah, that changed the whole game. You've played, I think this is the second game. This is the third game you're playing with a red card. And two games before this, you 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 won both of those other games. I think it was Newcastle, and I can't remember the second team. Newcastle. There Bournemouth. you go. So you won them. So you did already show that you could beat, game, beat teams with the um with a red card. So let me go to Larry right now here, because Larry's hand is up here. But you know, Larry, um, before you you know you say what you're gonna say about what Alex said. Um, what did you think about um, the rumor that a rep was actually taking the shit? Do you think that one is true? <laughs> I don't think it's true, man. I don't know <laughs> what. In fairness, it's there's just there's so much that there's so much to talk about this whole thing. I mean, I think one of the things I just want to do is I want to just bring a spotlight as to how 
bad refereeing in in the English league is relative to other leagues. I mean, it's, it's amazing that English league is so like top in so many things, but refereeing is is terrible. And um, I remember earlier on, didn't Howard Webb say that you know going forward that they are going to make it open like the conversations between the VAR and the referee and a couple of other things. I think I remember earlier on in the season or was it last season that they said that they're going to start doing that, and yeah. yet they sort of stopped doing that. They did that for one game and then they stopped doing that. So where's the transparency in that, and why did they stop doing that? So that's kind of like one of the big you know talking points that i i sort of want to bring but also from a refereeing perspective it seems to be the only job where there are no repercussions for actions their actions uh can be very severe on clubs and you know communities but at the same time there's no action they just say they're suspended for one game and the next you know they're sort of back and it's like where's the accountability and what what do they need to do to raise the standard of refereeing going forward because I, I don't think, you know, it's at, at the rate at which they are going, every other game would be the PGM well coming out, coming out to apologize or make some sort of statement. But yeah, there needs to be some level of accountability. And then also we need to be able to hear the interaction so that we can also make our own conclusion rather than train rumors about someone going to take a shit or all the different excuses as to how you know this all came about. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my own point. Right, go ahead, Alex. Go ahead, Alex. No, no, no. Larry makes a very good point. And I just wanted to just uh, close it by saying, I think, and I put in the group earlier today, the group that we're all in, the English league is such a huge league. We've got foreign players, foreign coaches, foreign everything, but we just don't have foreign referees. And I think it's high time we need to actually introduce that. Because to Larry's point, these guys have no repercussions, so they feel like they can do what they, whatever they want to do. And the more you try and talk back at them, the more you get fined, which is silly. So I was actually happy that yesterday, this post-match interview, Klopp didn't bite. He didn't bite. He just he just said what he had to say in a very classy way and, and kept it moving. But I think we need to now start looking at ways in which we can bring in foreign referees because it's clear that our English referees are not up to it. And even if they're up to it, I think it's very difficult to remove the whole sentimental part of things. And what I mean about that is these referees are human. Um, there might have been an Everton fan yesterday, the Simon Hooper. You might trace back and you might see that his wife supports Everton or his wife's dad supports Everton. You just don't know. So I think we need to start looking at ways in which we can bring in foreign referees. That's just what I wanted to say. I'll let others talk. Okay, nice one. I, I, can feel the, I can feel the hurt in your voice. You know, normally I'll say cry more, but, you know, I'm, I'm trying to sympathize I'm, with you. I'm hurt, today. man. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I'm not going to lie, man. We're going yeah, so- to be on top of the table. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So it was it was it was a terrible decision. So Fisai, I wanted to bring you you in on this again. Like you said, you're an Arsenal fan. And seeing I mean you could I want you to give your own thoughts on the rep as well. But at the same time, I want you to also tell us what you think about Tottenham. You know, I know as an Arsenal fan, it's gonna be hard to say anything good about them. But the way they are playing and they are getting some lucky calls that and they are getting breaks sometimes where you know maybe someone that would usually score this goal will not score it. You know, two goals against Sheffield United uh, in extra time. That worked out perfectly well. And then, obviously, yesterday, they get that decision. And then, an own goal by Matip again, giving them this victory. So, I know I said a lot there. But how do you see Tottenham this season? And, you know, you can give your views on the referee decision as well. Yeah, to be honest, like, what I, I didn't even want to... Like, we've done the referee. Everyone knows what happened with the referee. We've done that to death. I want to talk about the game as a whole, like what I saw, the breakdown, Liverpool and and Tottenham. I thought the game started off brilliantly. Both of them wanted to play their, brand, their own brand of football. I thought Liverpool started on the front foot. Like they, when it was 11-11, they created some good chances. Uh, Vicario made like two good saves, like back-to-back from Gakpo and um, 
Robertson and Liverpool were like playing really well and then they obviously they got the the red card and like you said previously this season when they've had red cards they've still played well what Klopp did was push Gakwe to the right and move Salah up front and with his pace and behind it was still very dangerous he and Diaz kept on swapping and that's what happened when they scored the goal that was disallowed so even with 10 with 10 men they were still like in the game they were still playing well cousin uh Tottenham problems but then obviously Tottenham started growing they started finding that extra man Madison was finding space and the ball he played through to Richarlison was amazing Split yeah that was a great ball yeah like he's like he's a fantastic player yeah like, it's hard to watch yeah. him wear that that dirty white oh, I can't even say it you know go like, on some players, go to, <laughs> some players go into teams and it takes them a while to like fit in or like say like he's taking the number 10 from Kane and they know how much Kane did but he just doesn't look like anything phases him like he's the main man now like he's happy to take on that responsibility and then after that Liverpool did well to get a goal back with Gakwo uh Sobos like played a lovely ball Van Dijk headed it back brilliant goal and second half it was still like you know Liverpool was still in there but Tottenham started growing into Allison made two great saves. One from Madison, the left footer that was about curling in, made a brilliant save. Son had another shot, he saved it. And Liverpool just looked like they were gonna like sit in and just like stop Tottenham from getting another goal. Then the second red card happened. And then Klopp went to like a 5-3-0. And it just yeah. looked like Tottenham were out of ideas. Like they couldn't break uh Liverpool down that deep block. And I so watching Spurs, they've been brilliant and just made them play fantastic. Like the way uh, Udogi and Poro go into the midfield and Pape side drops into to make it a back three and how they all like rotate and pass the ball around. What, what I realize is when they play teams who come onto them, they're going to destroy teams because they'll find those spaces. And that's what happened with Burnley. Burnley tried to go 1v1 against them and they destroyed Burnley. But once, like, like Sheffield United, when Sheffield United scored against them and they, they were defending, Spurs were finding it hard to break them down. And it took them until like the 100 minutes to get their goal. And that's what happened yesterday. Like once Liverpool went to that five at the back, they were struggling. And I think like, obviously they played wonderful football. But I think going forward, if teams play like deep blocks, they might find it hard. And their first eleven is great, but they they don't have squad depth. Yesterday, when Madison went off, they were bringing on Skip and Hoy, and like once you take him off, they're not as creative. So right now they're playing great, like you said, they've they've got some luck. They scored in the hundredth minute against Sheffield. They scored again yesterday, even against Arsenal. As soon as Arsenal scored, they went back straight, got another goal back. So, yeah, I think Henge is doing something good and the fans are buying into it. The players are buying into it. And, like, what that does is it starts to create belief. And this will just make them, like, feel stronger and believe, like, they can go toe-to-toe with anyone. So, yeah, it makes the inter- it makes the league very interesting because there are a lot of teams. It wouldn't be like last season where it was just Man City and Arsenal or, like, yeah. previous where it was just Man City and Liverpool. Like, now they're, like a lot of good teams where, you know, you play a Brighton someday, you could beat them, they could beat you. Aston Villa can pull up some great results. Uh, Newcastle. So, yeah, I think the season will be very 
I don't think anyone will run away with it. I think, yeah, you have like three or four teams fighting and then maybe towards the end, three will fight it out. But yeah, yeah. Spurs, Spurs are doing well. Yeah, thanks for that. Like, even, I agree with what you said as well. Even, you know, them breaking that deep block, you know, when when Jota went off, you know, my first, the first thing that went to my mind was, okay, now they'll be able to find that extra man somewhere else, you know. But it didn't count, you know. Klopp went super defensive and at the end of the day, it took it, it took an own goal to actually open them up. They actually took out um, Madison and Madison could not actually create that much when, when you know, he was tr- trying all these shots from outside the box. That's it. You know, so that's that's actually uh, fair. And um, Namdi, I guess, uh, Nam- and just for our listeners there, Namdi has been trying to find the reaction button for like five minutes now. He's disturbing everybody in the Zoom chat. Namdi, did you find it finally? <laughs> you know, it would have just been nicer if you just said, oh, I finally found out that Namdi has been trying to say something. You know? <laughs> now you've been distracting me. It's your no, I just, wanted to, <laughs> I, but, I, just, um, I just wanted to make a balmy... First, before you say anything, I wanted to make a balmy mm-hmm. suggestion. How about you put the, put the refs in a league table? So mm. you have a certain number of refs starts each season, knowing that they're not all going to be there the following season. Somebody's going to come up from the championship or a couple more refs from the championship or something. And then when they keep on um, making these mistakes, it adds up. And at the end of the season, whoever is the worst performing ref has to go down to the championship. So there's that level of accountability. And there's also some... I hate to say it because I hate the idea of humiliation. But there's some sense of humiliation for us when they make this level of mistakes. So we're not hearing the same old, tired bromides of, yes, we're human and this, that, and the other, and then an apology when a team has lost their unbeaten record for the season. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I can see how that that could actually work. The thing about it is that, That's you know, with, with, with today's age, with today's age, the way people happen on that kind of league table, especially if it's made public, I mean, fair enough, we want accountability, but I don't know how it works in the public atmosphere. Yep. But I think it's a good idea. But then again, the reason why I came to you was Spurs. You know, um, Fisal just gave his own, his own um, what he thinks about Spurs. What do you think about Spurs? And how do you see them going through this season? crystallizes around Ange. Ange, he's that kind of manager that you can tell he makes the players more willing to run, more willing to overcome difficulty, and more willing to fight through adversity. Do you understand? So I think what has happened with Tottenham early doors is Ange has got them playing. Now, Unfortunately for Ange, I think it's a long season. I agree with Fisari about the depth of that squad. And I think that managers these days are making adjustments so quickly that they're going to adjust to Tottenham's style of play and maybe they'll be unable to sustain this run at present. I don't think they're unbeaten for... I mean... after the international break, I think they'll be they'll be beaten within two weeks of that break at at max. Um I hope they get beaten like, next game week. Just saying. 
I don't know. I'm just I'm just giving an upper limit. The upper oh yeah, limit, uh, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. National break, they're gonna get beaten. Right, but um, generally, they're they're entertaining to watch. But I don't right. get it. I don't get that threat level. You know when you're playing when you're playing um, Real Madrid. Or but when I'm playing play you in FIFA. Bro, I'm your dad. But let's, <laughs> you let's collect this, bro. You that one is a violation. I'm saying when you're playing Madrid or you're playing yeah. these days, actually, Arsenal, there's that yeah. sense of, there's that threat level, that heightened threat level, which I really don't get from Spurs. Even when we played them and um, they managed to come back and... You know, some commentators in the end were saying, "Could could they go on and win it?" And they've come back twice. You know, all these, all these lovely things you say about a team that's on the upswing. I don't feel, as an Arsenal fan, like I need to worry about Spurs. That's my take. All right. Speaking about, uh, you know, worrying and uh, Liverpool, are a team that Arsenal should probably be worried about and one person there that has raised the level of Liverpool this season so far is Sobos Lai. I think I didn't I, I think I didn't butcher his, his name this time. But Sobos Lai has been so good for Liverpool. I mean I know we've talked about him a few times on this group. Um Alex Sobos Lai, how are you loving him there? He's the new Jero. New Steven yeah. yeah. That's what that's yeah we love him, man. I think, like you said, we've already spoken about him so many times. So I won't, I won't go on too much more, and I'll let the other guys whack lyrical if they if they fancy it. But so <laughs> he's 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 changed he's changed the mentality of the team. I personally think because he's coming first. In fact, the first day he came, this guy came in with a like he came like a rapper with a chain swinging around his neck. <laughs> <laughs> There were videos, there were videos that went around and people were thinking, who's this guy coming all cocky and everything? He, he took the number eight jersey. The first preseason game, he didn't he didn't look that great. But since then, from game two, he's just gone on lips and bounds. He's and he's one player that you can now see that club trustfully and he's building that midfield around him. He's playing every minute of every game. Yeah. Out of the seven, out of the seven games that were played, half of those games we've been playing with ten men for pretty much the entire game. In yesterday's case, nine men, and this guy's still running. He's so defensively, he's putting in the work. Offensively, he's putting in the work. I know a lot of people are waxing lyrical about um, James Madison now, rightly so, because I think he's in contention for signing of the season. But I think Dominic is up there with what he has brought to this team, and it shouldn't. We, should, we shouldn't just talk about this like it's. One little, little feat. The fact that the entire midfield has changed. Dominic Solbert's life. Um, McAllister as well. And that third spot, Curtis Jones and sometimes Ryan Gravenberg. I think what they've done as a trio has been incredible. I had my doubts before the season started, especially when we didn't get a DM. But from what I've seen, I think there's a mentality shift and it's been driven by Dominic. I think he's added a lot to that midfield. Just being an all-rounder. CM like gone are the days because nowadays we, we, we get a lot of DMs a lot of AMs a lot of CAMs we get all these things thrown around what Dominic Solomon's like is he's a CM like he can play left right middle up down he's just everywhere on that pitch 
And I think long may long may continue because I think as long as we can keep him fit, we're in there. Mm. Well, at least we know you like him. So that one is clear already. <laughs> <laughs> but um um I want to go to Namdi now. Because Namdi, you've all you this is somebody that you've known for a while, Dominic Sobosly. You know, I know you've mentioned him quite a few times before. You know, I've known him because of football manager, so I've always known he's always great. But to you, what has he done? What how has he surprised you more? in the Premier League? Or should I say, have you been surprised about how he has adapted so far? So, usually when you're, um, when you're new to the Prem, there's that initial shock at the pace, at the, the physicality. You know, I remember Robert Perez some seasons ago when he was new to the Arsenal. He had one write-off season because he simply couldn't adjust to the speed of the game and to the fact that the ball is in the air more often than they're used to in some of the other top five leagues, right? What has surprised me is how quickly he's adjusted to that side of the game. So, I've, like you just mentioned, man, I've, I've thought highly of Domzo for a while, man. I think he, he has so much in his locker. He actually reminds me a bit more of Kevin De Bruyne than of Jero, except I don't think he has the same passing range. Um, I think he's um, Jero relied a lot on his ab ability to, you know, drive past players on his enthusiasm. Domzo seems to be a bit more, just a bit more circumspect about where he's going to be on the field at a particular time. And I like the kid a lot, man. I wish we'd signed him. But instead, we went down the road to Chelsea and picked up a joker. I won't mention his name today. It's not that day. But yeah, man, I like, I like the boss like. And just, just a little bit of an aid, D-man. When you want to say so boss like, just think in your mind, suppose lie. I think you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just call him. Just call him Sobo, man. If you're not sure. I'll just yeah, call I'm him Sobo, exactly. About last talk. Suppose lie. I don't know why suppose you lie. There, but it's all right. Fair enough. Fair, yeah, fair yeah, enough. There you go. Fair enough. Yeah. But I see what you mean. I see what you mean regarding him. He has the way he looks in that Liverpool team is so good. And I want to go to Fisaya here because Fisaya has his hand up as well. So Fisaya, did you want to comment a little bit on him, or did you want to go on Liverpool a bit? Yeah, I wanted to comment on him. A bit and then like the Liverpool midfield in general. Like like they Alex, you and Namdi have said, like he's a fantastic player. He's you know how some like Thomas Muller, he's a good player, but he doesn't look pleasing on the eye. Sobos like just looks pleasing, like the way he glides, yeah, pitch, exactly. he the, ball, the way exactly. he runs, he plays. I don't think I've seen anyone who strikes the ball as cleanly as he does. He's so like he's so good, and I was a little bit surprised how quickly he adapted. Like when they signed him in the summer, I was having a conversation with Alex, and I said most of his assists came from like set pieces, and I was like, "You guys have Trent, so I don't know if he would get the chance." But like he and Trent have been sharing set pieces. That's how good he is. So like he's like just better than easily he's blended in with a new team the same way Madison has gone into Spurs and just like looked like he's been there for a while the same thing with Sobos like what I do think Liverpool need I still think they need someone at the base of the midfield 
like against I understand this like having three all-round midfielders who can do everything I just think against the bigger teams when you're playing like in Europe or you're playing like a Man City or Arsenal or uh, Newcastle like you need someone who thinks defense first Alexis McAllister is a brilliant footballer but I think he's wasted at the base of midfield and it's not natural for him to like follow runners when like other midfielders from the opposing team are running into the box it's not natural for him to like follow and that's not his job I think if you put someone at the base and you push him for the him and uh, Zobos like play them as eights that Liverpool midfield will go to like yeah I'm glad they don't have them because I don't want them to win the league but yeah of course of course of course um you know, um, Alex, you can respond to that and then we can get off Liverpool for now. I mean, you guys did sure. lose to Tottenham of all people. So, yeah. You guys still collect breakfast for that one. You know, you can't just lose to Tottenham. So, um, I you want to respond to... Uh, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah very, very quickly that we can get off Liverpool. I just wanted to add to what Fusaya uh, said because he's 100% spawned. I think what would have made this window from a midfield perspective a 10 over 10 window is if we got that Kai Sedo. If we yes, got that deal yeah. over the line, then I think that midfield would have been probably arguably best in the Premiership, maybe in Europe. Imagine having Mac, having Sobo, and having Kai Sedo. That would have been amazing. Ooh. We didn't get it done. But to Cyrus' point, McAllister has been wasted playing DM because he's another top, top, top player. But I think what Klopp is trying to do, because I've heard whispers, because I've I've reached out to my connects up in Merseyside mm, and they told right. me in, uh, in January, in January, that will be addressed. Well, after this guy in Brazil, Andre, you guys might have heard of him. If you've not, go check him out. He plays for Fluminense. He's a DM. I think the plan is to try and get him in January because he's a proper, he's a DM, a bowler, proper bowler from what I've heard and what I've seen. So watch that space. Excellent. I think between, between that and January, I think we're just going to manage between the likes of Endo, Jones and Bacetic. But remember, he's still about. Bacetic just come out from a long-term injury. So I think mm-hmm. the plan is to try and get him into that sport and just rotate between those three till January. Then we'll take it from there. All right. Fair enough. Um, I, 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 I'm I looking forward to seeing if your move pays off um, or your uh, connects, as you so put it. It's all good. We'll see if he we'll, we'll comes. Come on now. Come on. Can, can you see my DP? I'm, I'm wearing a suit. I've been, I've been, I've been <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fair enough. All right, fair enough. So we can move off Liverpool now, but we'll still stay on it, right? Because yesterday, uh, obviously Arsenal played Bournemouth, and there was a number eight there that that bowled, uh, Martin, um, um, Odegaard yesterday, Martin Odegaard yesterday, the Arsenal captain, one goal, two assists, and he showed his leadership values again yesterday. We're giving Kai. Have read that goal, um, Larry. How did you how did you see um, Odegaard's gest- um, gesture yesterday to give Havertz that goal? Personally, I, pen, I actually let me say pen because it was a goal. It was a pen. Yeah. So go on. Yeah. yeah go on. Personally, I I loved it. I mean, online I've seen different contrasting um, views on the whole thing, but I think um, most importantly, as an Arsenal fan. I like the fact that uh, within a group, uh, we have um, a very, very um, collective um, feeling in the club. And a big part of it has to go towards the, the leadership of uh, Martin. I mean, you have to give it to him. So the way he sort of commands, you know, the um, the squad, the way he leads, you know, his, his approach towards, towards everything, it has been very commendable. 
Um, some can say that yeah, that that means we don't have we lack a certain cutting edge, but um. If you look at where Arsenal started from, literally just two, three seasons ago, and how you know comical Arsenal used to be and all that, there's had to be a very big shift in the collective mindset of not just the, you know, the players, but the fans and everyone else around. And so I'd rather we carry on with this sort of communal feel than you know the whole idea of we needing to be stupidly cutting edge. So I think you know it was very positive of him. Um, yes, we still have the question of of Kai and really of what his value is. In fact, I'm tapping into what you guys were saying about um, is this supposed to lie? How was Namdi's approach? <laughs> I know about how he sort of looks good. I have my questions on Kai because um, historically, I don't remember Kai being a player that has ever really looked good. I think his standout um, period when he was in Germany really was he playing as a second striker and coming to score goals. And we know how goals tend to amplify um, a person's sort of value. But he's not one to really um, beat someone on a one-to-one. He's not a dribbler. He doesn't really have a... He, does, he can't really drive. So he doesn't have a lot of things that make him sort of pleasing in the eye test. What he's supposed to have is a little bit of physicality um, and, you know, maybe you know being able to sort of link up very well. But without having those flashy sort of features, he would always struggle to stand out as uh, someone who's worth that price tag. And I feel that unless, you know, there's something Arteta can sort of bring out of him, he would always be in that sort of mindset of someone that we just sort of sunk 60 million for. And um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a shame. I really hope it sort of comes true because... Um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. I hope it comes through, yeah, because we need we need the depth in squad. And uh, I think we've just seen with a few injuries here and there, an Arsenal squad that looks like it can be firing and also in that can easily just, you know, come on there with just a few injuries. So, yeah, that's that's good. Um, I hope it doesn't come true. I hope it doesn't come true. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Because so, I'm scared. Because yeah. I'm scared of Arsenal. Yeah. No way, we'll get to your Are you scared of Kai or are you scared of Arsenal? Um, what what are you particularly scared of? I'm scared of Arsenal. Sorry, I know it's not my turn to speak, so I'll let whoever's speaking next. But I'm scared of Arsenal. I, will, I can explain when we get to me, but I'm scared of Arsenal. And that's me being honest. No, no, no. You, I think you should. I mean, if if, if Shakwek allows it, I think you should actually hear your views. I want to hear why, actually, because you, you're, you're someone who normally tends to underplay a lot of things. So for you to actually yeah. come out and say I'm scared, I'm, I want to hear your views. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and I and I, I've told Shakwek and Namdi this in the past. Uh, I didn't show up. I think Arsenal are cooking, and what I mean with that is the Arsenal I'm seeing now. Oh man, you got you guys are scary. When I look at players like Saka. Odegaard, Jesus, Martinelli, Trossard, even Rice now. I'm seeing that fire in you guys' belly. I'm not even joking. I know I'm a Liverpool fan, I shouldn't say. But the way you guys are playing, I'm not necessarily pleasing to the eye, like last season, full flow, Arsenal scoring here and there. But I'm seeing grit. I'm seeing leadership. I'm seeing a a lot of what I saw in Liverpool between 2019 and 2021, which is mentality like chest out you guys get on the pitch and you're not even three three years ago you'd have probably drawn that game with burn with with Burnmore. but you guys are going to dispatch these teams now with relative ease and I think it's scary because if you guys keep going the way you're going especially with your key players delivering the way I think they will deliver the likes of again Saka uh Odegaard and the likes of Jesus and Cole I think you guys would definitely, in my opinion, favourite for the league. Um, I think Harvest should be the least of your worries. 
Because when you think about it now, 65 million gets you a squad player in today's market. So I think you guys need to look at it like, you know what, regardless of if it's Chelsea, whatever, yada, 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 he's a squad player and leave it at that. Don't pay too much attention to it. If it, if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't work out, it's all good. It's 65 million. People have spent more. How much is Tonali from Newcastle? He's not blowing up any trees. Let's pull, let's call a spade a spade. So I think, have it aside, you guys seem to be cooking. And I just hope, I hope, I don't, I don't want to wish Saka bad luck, but that guy needs to slow down. Man. All the guys need to slow down. Yeah, the game has, their game has, has changed this year. Saka especially. He seems to be more of a goal scorer this season. And I'll just bring Fisara on, on this a little bit. Saka and the way, and his goal scoring this season. How much have you enjoyed it? And how did you see yesterday's game? So, yeah, I was very happy with yesterday's game because if you, uh, this season, like Alex said, we've not, like, I don't think we've battered anyone apart from peers via home in the Champions League. Most of our games have been like, uh, we like have field tilt. We have like the advantage with the ball and everything, but we're not. I know Mikel is trying new stuff. So, like, most of our games away, I know we haven't considered away, but it's always been, like, 1-0. Crystal Palace was 1-0. Um, Everton was 1-0. Brentford and Carabao was 1-0. So, to go to Bournemouth and, like, score four goals, keep another clean sheet, that was that was nice. Uh, touching on Odegaard, like, he's not, you know, I think back in the days, when people would say when people would say captain, they used to think of like a Gerard and a Terry, like someone who would like try and get on the pitch and shout like a Roy Keane, get all these people going. But Odegaard is like a different leader. For him to be made captain of his country at that young age, I think it was like 21 or 22 when he was captain. And for Mikel to make him captain of Arsenal, Mikel obviously sees something and the training ground. He's one of those who like just has this em- emotional intelligence he, he's like tapped into his teammates he knows what everyone needs just like that little thing like okay Kai Havertz is having a tough time like let me give him this penalty he scores that boosts his confidence a little bit the fans wouldn't stop the fans uh, away fans yesterday wouldn't stop singing Havertz's name that just makes Havertz feel better and I think I heard someone saying like someone said uh Mikel said in a post post-match press conference how he was so happy Odegaard did that because there have been some external things that Verts has been dealing with which is why like his football has been a bit you know so for Odegaard to be able to like you know he spoke you saw you if you saw I don't know if you saw the videos when yeah, he spoke to Jesus and Saka and like telling them like let's give Kai the yeah. penalty when he scored yeah. how happy his teammates were for him so like yeah like He's and not... then um let me let me just add to that as well. And then it's also good on Jesus because yes, Jesus didn't score yet. I don't think Jesus scored yesterday. He didn't yeah, score, sorry. He didn't score. Yeah. And um he could have been selfish with it because he could have been next in line. He could have said, you know what, I want to take this. You know what? I, I need a goal as well. But he gave that up as well. He gave it to Avers and said, you know what? Go ahead. You have it. You know, that was a bitch move, though. That was a bitch move. Sorry, <laughs> sorry to jump in, man. You've got number wait, wait, nine on the back. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, Alex. Hold up, Alex. You dropped it the last time and allowed it. Now, don't right. come here. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> <laughs> don't come here and start dropping on, on Jesus' shine. So, Fisaya was still talking to me. That's why I came in. I, I said something there. So, Fisaya, how do you see that as well? And then, obviously, continue what you were saying, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, like, I think that was brilliant from Jesus. And, if Jesus is one is like 
one of the most unselfish strikers. He does, he would defend, it would come out to the left wing, go out to the right wing. So him giving that penalty up, I'm not surprised at all. Like, Jesus is one of those who, if, if we win and he doesn't score, like, it doesn't bother him. You know, there's some strikers that they score one goal, but their team lose, but they're happy because they scored. Jesus is like the opposite. Like, as long as Arsenal win, he's fine. So him giving, <laughs> him giving Kai that penalty, like, I wasn't surprised. And he just taps into, like, what Mikel is. Like, the culture is built around this new team. Like, everyone is fighting for each other. They're all, like, like each other. So, yeah, yeah. I don't have any other moment. And, um, yeah, I, like, when we talk about the... I know you, you're going to move on and talk about the keepers. I want to talk about Havertz then. Because when we signed him, like... I wasn't sure about it, but like now that he's here, like you support every player you have. And I want like I want us to give him as much time as possible. But I kind of see what Arteta's trying to do. Larry said like he was a uh, his best position was a second striker when it was a Leverkusen. And that's what Arteta's trying to use him at as like he's always an outlet. Whenever we play, like he pushes up right next to the striker. So if we're being pressed, we have the option to go long to him. He's amazing at aerially he wins so many aerial duels uh his com his um combinations are good it's not like uh larry said he wouldn't like pick the ball up and beat three players but he's clever enough he moves into space without the ball and like carries people along so yeah i, I think we should give him more time and yeah hopefully whatever ha is happening externally like everything sorts out so he can be clear and focused on the pitch yeah. Um. The thing about you know, well, the thing about uh, the football world these days, nobody nobody li likes to give that time, you know. And also the fact that he's coming from, um, the shitty place down the road in Chelsea, means that a lot of fans are already like, he's already coming with baggage. And when you come with baggage, you have to first get rid of that baggage before they accept you. And I really like what the away fans did yesterday. The fact that I mean, it was if I was an, if I was a home fan, I'll be pretty annoyed that these motherfuckers would shut up because they kept all going like all game long, and that was <laughs> but that was great for Havertz to hear that and to hear their commitment to that. And it's something that the away fans do a lot with, but not a lot, but it's something that they also did with William Saliba. The first time they came up with the William Sabi, um, Salib, Saliba Tequila chat. Yeah. Against Leicester and they just started chanting his name. Yeah, but then they didn't come up with the chance. I think it was at Bournemouth as oh, well. When he scored that goal. Yeah, I think it was at Bournemouth as well where they came up with the chance. So I guess Bournemouth is a happy place. Maybe next time we go there, Eddie Nketiah will have his own chance. You know. Oh, but quickly, uh, <laughs> Wait, quickly but, before you go. Oh, even, yeah, go on. Even last week when we played Tottenham and Jorginho... Yeah. And Jorginho made that mistake and they scored. The whole Emirates started singing Jorginho's name. Yeah, there you go. So they do this prior thing seasons, where... Yeah, prior seasons, it would have been like a toxic... But now everyone's like, would this so to get the fans are bought into everything like this team is doing. Yeah, that's what we hope that they keep carrying on with. And uh, what I want to move on to right now is something that has actually divided Arsenal fans a little bit. Not because... For, for different reasons, let me say for different reasons. Um, Raya and Ramsdale. And I'm bringing Namdi here on this because um, when I look at Raya and Ramsdale, I don't see a big difference. But when they play, the way Raya plays the football, I don't think it's necessarily about the passing. It looks like Raya knows how to hold the football for a bit longer. He's not as flushed. And because he's more of a football player, he looks to be getting that, that, um, that starting shirt instead 
or Ramsdale, who is actually loved by the fans. So are you in the thinking that Arsenal's number one goalkeeper has changed and Raya is there to stay now? Um. Okay, so I'll start with my own personal opinion. Because that, 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 that needs to take precedence. Okay? I'll start there. Uh, what I feel is that Ramsdale has qualities and characteristics that are better suited to a certain type of game, while Raya has qualities and characteristics that are better suited to a different type of game. I don't know that this kind of debate has been had before because it's very rare to have two top-level goalkeepers. Thanks, Michael in... What? I said, thanks, Michael Owen. Sorry, bro. No, no, but you know what I mean. I'm sorry, Alex. You can interrupt when you have something like that. No, no, no. It's okay. I'm just saying that it's... I'm giving this explanation because the situation is unusual. Don't worry, I won't go into it. The point is, against Tottenham, I think we'd have had a better... Would have would have had been able to develop more momentum with more emotional players on the pitch, and this is what I was saying to Pisaia. I think Ramsdale was better suited for that particular game. But overall, just to answer your question quickly, yes, it seems clear that Ateta has picked Raya ahead of Ramsdale. Forget all the shalaya in his press conference about subbing keepers and all that story. Your number one is your number one, and Ramsdale has lost his shirt. Sadly, he's going to get games. And it's very possible that down the line, maybe Raya gets an injury and he steps in and he's more commanding. Maybe he develops better ball distribution skills. But the kind of game Arteta wants to play is better suited to Raya. He's better in the build-up. You know, his short passing and long passing are better than Ramsdale's. Let's just keep it a buck. However, I also want to leave this little asterisk. Ramsdale's reflexes. Mark me on this. Ramsdale's reflexes are better than Ryan's. You can see, for instance, the the save that he made off of what's the name of this guy? I can't remember who who, who had that shot late in the game, and it went against the bar. Ramsdale saved it onto the bar, but it was very clear to me in that moment that Ramsdale can do some things that Ryan can't do, and that's okay, you know. I think the person you're talking about is um is Wissa. But I do see where you're coming from uh, when it comes to reflexes. Uh, to be fair, I have watched Raya about maybe not as much as a lot of people have. I, I watched Burley a few times, but I, I always noticed his long balls to Tony, right? And I noticed that he is calm on the ball. And uh, the way he plays, um, the way he, he exudes that coolness and calmness to the rest of the defense... I feel like that's the reason why, you know, Ateta, you know, plays him right now. And um, Larry, I'd like to bring Larry in now. Larry, do you have something to say to that? Yeah. So um, I agree with pretty much everything that we've been saying in terms of the difference between both keepers. Um, from a reflex perspective, yeah, yeah Ramsdale is second to none. Um, but I think a lot of other things it couldn't be there. But I also saw a statistic that was saying that look, one of the things that Ramsdale does is that he makes saves look good because he has like acrobatic sort of you know saves and all. But when you look at I think the percentage of 
of saves that he has versus what he should he should actually save. I saw that stat somewhere. He's actually slightly underperforming compared to the average keepers in the rest of the league. If I do find that, I'll sort of share that with you. So there's something, yeah, not quite adding up with Ramsdale himself. And I kind of want to sort of bring it back to the start of the season because we do have this sort of mindset of Arteta sometimes being, you know, uh, an over-tinker and, and um, with his tactics. I know when we started the season without... um. Gabriel in the back line. Everyone has thrown their theories as to, or their hypothesis as to why he's sort of done that. And I mean, I don't think we really have a full answer. But I think that one of the reasons why he did that was that Gabriel is excellent in a lot of things. So Gabriel is fantastic when he when it comes to covering the space between his own side and the left side when um we have um you know our, our fullback sort of push for Zinchenko push forward and all that. But one thing Gabriel hasn't really been good at is helping with build up play. He doesn't have like the passing range. He doesn't have a lot of the other soft skills required for that. So I think at the start of the season, Arteta was probably trying to see if he can develop a back line that just builds. You start building from the back, and that's why he decided to bring White back in there because White does have a good passing range and the rest of all that. Of course, we realized that the experiment didn't work, and then he eventually reverted to what worked in the past and all. But I do sort of agree with what you guys are saying that Arteta likes the concept of wanting to build, build as far as far back as he can, and that's where you know this guy comes in with his own value versus um versus Ramsdale. That that's kind of like what I think. Nice. I like I like, I like the way you put it there. You know, and um, Fisal, what I wanted, I, I want to be Fisal now into this now. And what I wanted to, you know, have a precise something um, Larry said was that, you know, we played, we took off Gabby at that period of time because I thought I wanted to try out this new building team from the back, a team that can build from the back. You know, with Patsy in there, Saliba, White, and, you know, obviously Tomiyasu or Timba. You know, with Raya coming in though, does that make it less likely that we see that kind of formation in the future? Or do you think Ateta will still roll it out one of these days when he has sleepless nights and he just wants to punish us? So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, what I what I read was uh, after the community shield, I think Gabriel picked a knock. So he wasn't fully fit those like first few games and that's why Ateta wasn't playing him. And then I think he just used the opportunity like, okay, Timber, we bought Timber as well. So before Timber got injured, he was like, okay, let me try, you know, he kept on he kept on he kept on talking about tactical flexibility. So now that Gabriel is not here, let me see what I can do in case who knows further down the line, one of my defenders gets injured. We have to be able to be we have to be able to adapt. So I think in those first few games, he was trying different things. And then obviously when the mind you game came, he was like, okay, go back to the tried and trusted white Saliba Gabriel. Uh, Zinchenko and since then has been doing the same thing but yeah I won't be surprised like if the turn of the year from January on if or February when Timber comes back and we're having more games if he starts like you know rotating and trying different things I wouldn't be surprised but to talk about Raya and Ramsdale if you listen to um, I, I was listening to a podcast and Ramsdale was on there and he was saying how Mikel would want him to pretty much come up and be like an extra CB, be an extra player. But Ramsdale was never comfortable doing that. And Mikel would always tell him to, you know, would always encourage him, do it, do it. But he said he wasn't comfortable. So I think like 
no, no, I think I know that's why he went for Raya. Because even before we bought Ramsdale, Raya was his first option. He wanted to get Raya when they went when Brentford were in the championship. I think the money they quoted was too much, so we looked elsewhere. If you look at it, last season as well, Ramsdale is a good keeper. Don't get me wrong. But there's some things he does. Like he gets, I don't know, you put a bit of pressure on him and he starts to like get jittery and shake. And that doesn't that doesn't exude confidence to your back four. Also, if you notice, check the stats. When balls come into the box, Ramsdale tends to punch more than catch. That's where Raya is better than him. Raya would catch the ball, hold onto it. That already, if you're under pressure, like you're trying to hold onto a lead and balls are coming in and your keeper's like taking it out of the sky and holding it, you give your team time to move up, time to relax. But if you punch it out, the other team is just going to keep on coming back, keep on coming back. So things like that. Raya's better on the ball. Raya's better passing. So this is what I was saying about, like, this is why uh, I said I wanted to talk about Havertz now because this kind of links in. What Ateta is trying to do when we have the ball, he's trying to start with like a four at the back and Raya being like the left CB. So you have White playing right back, Saliba the right CB, Raya becomes LCB, Gabriel goes out to the left back and then Zinchenko comes in with Rice. Havertz moves up up to a second striker up next with the striker is pulling back their defensive midfielder. So then Hodegaard is like the free man. Because if your keeper comes out and people are going 1v1, there's always, would always have a free man. So that's what Arteta is trying to do. And Raya seems comfortable doing that, where Ramsdale isn't. So, like, it just, yeah. Even though, like, you think uh, Ramsdale's reflexes are better and this and that, if you look at their save percentages, Raya's is better. The best yeah. keeper. The best keeper at preventing goals. I've I've shown I've shown this stat to Alex was Allison. Like chances that strikers are meant to score, Allison is the best. He prevents like goals. If you look at Ramsdale's Ramsdale's, they're not as high. They're not that good. So he does like flashy saves and this. He's a good keeper. Don't get me wrong, but I understand the logic behind putting Raya there. He just has yeah. more to explain. Yeah, and you I think what? I saw... Sorry, sorry. Uh, sorry. Oh, wait. Please, please, oh, go, go, on, go on, Wala. The reason go I just want to jump in is because Fesaya and I had this conversation on the side. And um, for real, he provided convincing number of stats to show exactly what he's talking about now, which is generally about Raya's composure and how he better fits into Arteta's plan, the way Arteta wants to play football. So I just want to clarify a point I made earlier and then feed into Havertz. I'm watching as a fan. So oftentimes when you're watching as a fan, you're not watching with the mind of the manager. You understand? So while it's not just about the flashy saves, I'm thinking about temperature of games. I just got a thought about Yeti Dudek from years ago. Yeti Dudek would make some absolutely unbelievable saves, but you still got the sense that he could be rattled. You know, he had a composure issue going on. But in a high temperature game, like that final in Istanbul, you want the sort of player who can, you know, sort of become bigger than the game. All those Liverpool players swell, Smitsar, Gerrard, Alonso, they kind of grew to twice their size. And that can tip the scales for you in certain games. You know, and I know that overall you want to play the percentages. You want the player who is a better fit for your team most of the time. And so I get the Raya switch 
But I also don't think Raya is Allison. I also don't think he has the personality that Allison does to go in last minute and try to get a goal at the other end. I don't think that's Raya. And so that's why I'm a little bit confused-ish. Maybe not confused, or maybe disappointed is the word. Same thing with Havertz. I get the idea of wanting to play in a way that overwhelms your position numbers-wise in certain parts of the field and how Havertz fits in that equation. But listen, man, you're, you're not playing on a piece of paper. You're not playing on the tactics board. You're playing on a, on a field of play against 11 other men. You want a man with you. And so far, Havertz is not looking like a man to me. I'll stop there. So the only thing I want to add to that is, um, I mean, I, I, I definitely understand the optics and the perspective on we as fans. But um, I just want to carry on with my my faith in Arteta's tactics because, I mean, in the past, I've probably been wrong on one or two calls. And um, this is a guy that said that he eats, sleeps, and, and drinks football, shits football, wakes up, and he has, like, posters, tactics all around his board. Last post I had on my wall was Elisha Cuthbert in... Oh, 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 07 or whatever so I'm not going to claim like I know <laughs> tactics <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to claim I know tactics I know football up to the level of what the guy does but you know he's shown us that look he's been able to you know, to bring Arsenal out of the doldrum so even we question with things that he does that we can't exactly answer I'm sure that there's some relative method to his madness and he's also a young coach he's also learning too so we have to understand that he will make some calls that, that don't necessarily make sense but one thing I think I can guarantee that he will learn from that and he's still the guy to take us to the to the to the end. Um hopefully, you know, the season when Pep leaves. In fact, I actually want us to win it with Pep around so we can, we can sort of shut those motherfuckers down. But even if it's <laughs> even if it's a case where Pep leaves and you know but I see us obviously being solid for the next couple of years. So I'm I'm good with that. I'm good to ride. All right. And um one thing that um Fisaya said as well and um, I want to go to Alex as well. You know, I don't want to leave Alex out of it because I know uh, Fisayal mentioned Allison, so I'm sure Alex picked the charge. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> when when you watch, when Fisayal mentioned that he wants Raya as a CB, as a left CB, right CB, whatever it is in the um, build-up play, I'm not sure if it was yesterday I saw it, but I've actually seen Raya step up into that kind of position before. And when he was up there, or when he was so far away from his goal, I didn't feel... The way I would have felt with Ramsey, where I would have thought, you know, Ramsey, get rid of this thing quickly. You know, I felt this guy knows what he's doing. He's definitely going to pass to somebody that makes sense. You know, and I know that no, it will not happen all the time. You know, there are mistakes in the game, you know, but I know that most of the time he will get that pass right. So, um, and because of that aura that he exudes, you know, and um, Alex, I'm not bringing you here because of VVD, so that you know, because I, I know I mentioned aura there. <laughs> VVD has actually looked has actually looked better this season, you know. Thank and, you. And Thank your you. whole defense has looked better. But when you look at Raya and you look at Allison, you know, Allison is someone that you've watched that level for so many years. When it comes to ball playing defenders, I know Allison has made a few mistakes, but Allison is probably right up there at the top of the three of the tree, right there. So when you look at Raya. And you look at Allison. What do you see? Top of the tree of ball playing defenders. Don't you mean keepers? Sorry, keepers, keepers, keepers. Um, don't worry. Um, after this pod, we'll give Bala an award so that he can take it to I show his people. Much obliged, sir. much obliged, much obliged. But go on, yeah, Alex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think 
I think Pisaya and Lamry have said it best. Uh, I think Raya, Raya is a top goalkeeper. When you compare him to Alisson, I think it's very difficult because, like you've all said, Alisson is arguably number one out there, him and Thibaut, when it comes to goalkeeping. Raya and Sanchez, the guy that uh, Chelsea bought, there are two goalkeepers that I've been keeping my eye on. I think both of them are very underrated. Similar type of goalkeepers. Cool, calm, and collected. That's what. That's why I think when I look at both of them. We'll focus on Raya here. So Raya versus Ramsdale. And I'm with Jamie Carragher on this because I read his column a few weeks back when he said what Ateta is doing, in my opinion, is the right thing. And I'm trying to convince Wala here because I know Wala is not that convinced. Wala, like you said, you can see what he's trying to do, but you also are questioning it because you're not really seeing that. That outputs when it comes to if you're going to bounce Ramsdale, you want someone like Alisson. The problem you have is there's only one Alisson. There's only one Thibaut. So there's a, there's a handful of elite goalkeepers out there. So you almost need to look for the level just slightly below. And that's where the likes of Raya and Co are in. If there's an opportunity for you to go get a top goalkeeper who's better than your current goalkeeper, you must go and get. Ramsdale is a good goalkeeper. But I know in the group I throw you guys about him, like Pickford Light and whatnot. And I'm actually not joking. I think he's a good goalkeeper, but that's where it ends. I don't think he's that great at anything. Maybe the Hollywood save here and there. And even Ateta, if you want to go to that next level, you need to drop the sentiment and go for the best possible play in that position you can get. And I think Raya's better pretty much everything apart from possibly reflex saves. But everything else, both Re- reflex, reflex saves and one-on-ones with the striker or the last man, whoever it is and, charging at you. Ra- I think yeah. Ramsdale's better than Raya. Personally. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure with that one though, because one on one, I think Raya Raya gets it as well. But like you said, like you've all said, the way Ateta wants to play, he wants that build up from the back. He wants his goalkeeper to actually catch the ball and not palm it out into a danger area or something. So I think overall, Ateta is just looking at it from he's being ruthless. You know what, Ramsey, I rate you, but this guy is better. And if I don't get him now, there are very few top goalies out there. And if you miss this window of opportunity. Well, the next one come. So I think Arteta's just looked at it that way. And I think Ramsdale will probably leave you guys in the next 12 to 18 months because he's too good to be on the bench. But he's not as good to be a title-winning goalkeeper for an Arsenal that actually want to compete. Because when you look at your rivals, you look at Edison, you look at Alisson, you, you want your goalkeeper to be someone that people will look at and be like, yes, he can also win us the league. And I don't think Ramsdale has that. I think Raya, yes, he's not an Alisson, but he's definitely an upgrade. So... I've got no issues with that one, etc. Fair enough. Um, I guess we can leave it there. I most of what you said is fine. Obviously, you start to big up Alison quite a bit, but it's all right. We can, I, I, I didn't, you know. I, I really <laughs> didn't. Man. I could have gone. I could have gone. Wait, 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 Hannah. <laughs> well, so, okay. random. It's a little bit weird that Arsenal seem to be relatively blessed with goalkeepers over the last. Because I mean, remember obviously when we had to sort of let Emmy go. I mean, we obviously knew Emmy was. He came up and he was. He became a fantastic keeper. Even Birdstone, his own, was a solid keeper. Now yeah, we're nice. having conversations about um, Ramsdale and potentially him leaving now. We're still talking about him being a solid keeper. And we have. So we just seem to actually be able to get it right with keepers. Um, and I just thought that was it, just interesting. We're due the blessing. It's, it's good karma. After Almunia, it's good karma. Fair enough. Fair enough. And then you, you can also see that when Edu is cooking on that barbecue, he doesn't cook nonsense. He, do, he knows what he's doing. So... Um, <laughs> He knows what to do. He gets the but guys. Man, just one, one very quick one. Yeah. It's, not that, it, it's not on the agenda, but it's just Arsenal related. I think this is random. If you guys buy Ivan Tony in January, you win the league. 
I just want to put it out there. We can discuss it next week. Oof. And um, you know what? That Ivan Tony, that one can come later down the line because I don't want to go <laughs> into that guy until it looks like we're actually going to buy him. You know, because there are other you know, that one is just down the line. Let's leave that off on that. But speaking of strikers, only Watkins this weekend. Four goals. Sorry, is it three goals in that one game? You know, um, right now he has four goals in seven games, uh, three assists as well in um in in, in eleven games overall. So that's like um four goals, three assists overall in all games this season. Um, the guys is. He's but he's looking he's he's very consistent for for Aston Villa. Let me say that he's very consistent. He makes the right he makes the right runs and he helps them out. Um, with the way Emery's has that club going, Namdi, where do you see? Do you see Aston Villa get crashing this top four or top five party before the end of the season? Man, top four is top four is really tough this season. Top yeah. four is really, really tough. Uh, you actually need I, top five this season. Sorry, by the way. Yeah, I think it's top five you need this season. Because next year, England gets five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, sorry, yeah. one more thing. Oli Watkins has scored seven goals overall this season. No, for four of them have been in the prem. But go on, Namdi, you were saying? No, I was saying that Villa are playing really well. Emery, we've known him to be a great manager. He had a bit of a rough spell at Arsenal. But, He's shown his he's shown his stuff elsewhere and since he's come back to the Prem. I like the way Villa's playing. I particularly like the outlets they have on the flanks. I wanted Diaby at Arsenal. Um and he's gone on to prove my instincts right on that note. But you see with Oli, right? I know you say he's consistent because the numbers are sort of speaking to that, but I actually find him to be a bit streaky. Mm. Uh I also don't think he's fearsome. If you want to gate crash the top five, as you've just, you know, put it, you need a you need a you need a fearsome forward line, and I don't know that Oli is the right ingredient in a fearsome forward line. So uh, I don't want to say too much more than that. He moves well, nice lad, will score for you now and then, but mm, I'm not I'm not sold. Mm. When I say consistent, general, sorry, when I say consistent, I mean like consistent in his performances. Not that he's a, he's a okay. that's why I didn't Fair say, enough. that's why I didn't Fair. say like consistent goal scorer because that one is a different thing entirely. Um, no, but if, if you're at Arsenal and you're yeah. looking at Jesus and you're saying, man, we need somebody who's a bit more clinical than Jesus, and you can't really praise on Oli Watkins because Jesus is a cut above Oli Watkins yeah. and Jesus is not the level that we're looking for. Do you get what I mean? So yeah, yeah, it's Jesus, by the way. Not Jesus. I don't know. It's but... Jesus, bro. It's Jesus. That's what, what Fabio Vieira. Okay, you know what? Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Fisal should come in here. Fisal, is he Jesus or is it Jesus? <laughs> it's Portuguese, so it's Jesus. Ah, come on. Fuck you. But go on. <laughs> <laughs> but go on. You're about to say something. But why, yeah. are, you, why are you scared? Why are you scared of <laughs> calling him Jesus? It's just a name, you know? I know. I'm not scared of it. I just call it Jesus. I like Jesus. Okay. I like okay. Jesus. Go go on, Fisal. Yeah, I think um, Unai is doing a great job at, at Villa. Beginning of the season, when we were running our uh, predictions, I had them finishing uh, sixth. I think I put them sixth behind. I had City, Arsenal, Liverpool, Man U, Newcastle, then Villa. Uh, the Man U one's looking a little bit... <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I won't be surprised if Villa finish above my U, the way Villa are playing. That'll be fun. Um, I, I tip them. I think they're my favourites to win the Conference League. Unai just, yeah, you know, his pedigree with European competitions and the squad he's built there, I think they can do it. Uh, with Watkins, like, we don't always, like, when we talk about strikers, we don't always have to say, oh, what, what will he do at, like, a big team? I think this is his level. Like, he's good for Villa. Yeah, like, he's, like, not the most prolific. He's not the most clinical but what he does, he works his socks off. He would run through a brick wall for his teammates. And what that does is it would it would hold on like it can comfortably like give two defenders a hard time. And that will create space for people like Diaby and Zaniolo. So even if he doesn't score, he's doing stuff to help his team. Um since Emery came in, he's like Emery has tried to make him focus more on doing more of his work in the penalty box so he and jesus have the same problem jesus likes doing everything i'll play right back left back cb blah 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 but he's never really he gets in the box but not as much as you want your number nine and that, that's what used to happen with ollie watkins but since emery has got there emery has got him playing more in the box and i think in 2013 only two people in the Premier League have more goal involvements than him. Haaland wow. and Salah. Dang. Ten years ago. Sorry? Ten years ago. What do you mean ten years ago? Is that 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20. <laughs> my bad. My bad. 2023. My bad. At least we know uh, Namdi is listening. Yeah. That's not yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm tuned in. I'm tuned in. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Last season, he finished the season. He got 11 goals in 15 games. This season, he's already scored, like, I think, yeah. So, yeah. he's, yeah, only Haaland and Salah have got more than him. That's good. And I, he's, and... doing, yeah, he's doing what Unai wants him to do. And I think he could, him, Diaby, hopefully, touch wood, they don't get any injuries. They can they can push for that top five. I see them pushing for top five. All right, fair enough. And, um... The team that they beat this weekend, um, Brighton. Brighton have these games where they sometimes lose their heads defensively. I I, I go back to Everton last season when Everton um, punked them. You know, I don't know if it's the runners, and I don't know why. But today, it's it's Aston Villa made it look pretty easy to get between Brighton. Um, Larry, looking at the way Brighton played yesterday and their defense going forward, the amount of chances they let people in, how are, how afraid are you for Brighton, or how far do you think they can go this season, especially with the Europa League commitments that they have? Yeah, um, I I think I think they'll do well, but one thing that um that I I, I think going forward we need to. Definitely, we can't underemphasize or overemphasize really is the importance of squad depth. I know someone was mentioning it about one of the issues that Tottenham would face. I feel like Tottenham and Brighton are probably in very um, similar positions. Um, as the season sort of progresses, I know we're just going to see the lack of squad depth affecting the sort of teams when it comes to, you know, mentality drop-off, fatigue, injuries, and so many other things. So, so I don't particularly think that they are anywhere close to um, title contenders, but I think overall they are one of the the better teams, both aesthetically football and you know their their ability to sort of finish high high up the table. 
But um, I, I'm a very big fan of Brighton. I think I mentioned it, that Brighton is just one of those teams that you have to give give it to the upper management because they are, they are a structure-related club. It almost seems like regardless of who you take out or who you bring in, they still keep on playing in a similar way. You swap the managers, same way, take out their star players, they still keep playing, they still keep plugging on. So it just tells you know a little bit more as to the efforts of the um, senior management and the backroom staff that they're just like a well-oiled engine that just keep going and keep going. But yeah, I don't see them obviously being tied to contenders, but I still think that they would end up finishing, you know, on the higher end of the table at the end of the season. Yeah, and um, Alex, I believe you guys face um, Brighton next, Liverpool, right? And if, was it this fixture or, I think it was this fixture last season, was it 3-3 that um, Brighton kind of announced themselves after Potter had gone? Or was Potter still in when you faced them last season? Deserby. Deserby, yeah, yeah, sorry, Deserby, go on. Trust that hat trick. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was Deserbi. It was it was at Anfield. It was three three. Um, yeah, I think Deserbi, yeah, I think Deserbi had come in by then already. If I'm not okay. if I'm not mistaken, that, yeah, I think he was there already. But then the second game we played, they 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 bashed us. Everyone was bashing us last season. Yeah, three zero. They gave you three zero. Yeah. Did you hear me? I said three uh, zero. Oh, uh, oh, I didn't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't you... think you heard me. <laughs> Yeah, like you said, we're playing them next, and it's a way. So I'll be honest with you. After that Tottenham game, I yeah. didn't. Uh, we definitely didn't need a Brighton man, but, but we Brighton because you just don't know what Brighton will turn up. We could actually go there next week and bash them four nil. We could equally go there next week and lose four nil. Like it's mm. it's one it's one of those fixtures that uh, very it's difficult for me to predict. Very difficult, especially with our uh, red cards. I don't even know if we'll be able to get a full squad out there next weekend. Let's see. Mm. Fair enough. I mean, like, one thing I didn't notice is they lost the ball a lot in the middle of the pitch. Aston Villa were able to close them down. But before I leave, before we move on to um another um supposedly ball playing team, uh, Fisar, do you want to say one more thing before we leave? Yeah, just quickly on Brighton. Like you said, yeah. they always have they always have this weird result. And if you peep it, Everton last season five one. Earlier this season, West Ham three one, and Aston Villa now six one. And they all played the same way. What yeah. does what does tries to do is like that fake faux transition where he has Duncan, the other CB, like stand and try and bait your press, and then they pass the ball around that so they have quick transitions. And then Mitoma has a one v one, or Solimarch has a one v one. But West Ham, Everton, and Aston Villa just sat back, have all the ball, try and break us down, and then when we win the ball, we'll will kill you in behind. Watkins is quick. Diaby is quick. The same thing, Bowen was quick. Antonio, so just hit them with pace. If you sit sit back, let them have 60, 70% possession, and then you break them because they would leave only like two people at the back. Break, and then that's it. But when they play teams, if you when they play like a City or an Arsenal or Liverpool, who feel like, oh, it's Brighton, we can take them on, that's when they like invite you on them and then they just find the spaces in behind. So, yeah, I think going forward, if teams play them that way, then, yeah, or Deserbi has to realise, OK, I need to find, like, I need to have another way to break these teams down when they sit deep. All right, that makes sense. I mean, I mean, Deserbi is a good coach. So he's, eventually, he's going to figure out that a lot of teams are just chilling for him now. So he would obviously have to deal with this, again, breaking down a team that defends deep and not just breaking them down, 
but being able to recover the ball quickly on teams that defend deep so that you're able to keep on the pressure and also stop them from counter-attacking. And the team that is always able to do that is Man City with Pep Guardiola. This weekend, they lost against a Wolf side that, that is a Wolf, Wolf side that is actually very good on the transition as well with quick players like Neto. I mean, Namdi, you, and, we've and watched them. don't forget them. the Korean guy. <laughs> the Korean guy. You know what's so funny? I actually think Pep just didn't know that guy's name. You know, and <laughs> It was yeah, a bit disrespect. Yeah, I think he forgot the name because he said he, he just forgot the name in the moment. Yeah, and to be honest, I really do even remember that the guy was Korean. If you ask me, I would have probably said something. <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that he knew that, I give him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we could have said Japan, Japanese, <laughs> we could have said Mitoma's cousin. Wow. <laughs> I mean, let's, wow. let's, his name is Wang Yi Chan, which is quite a Korean name. You know, I'll yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, this guy, man, I don't know that kind of stuff. I'm not gonna lie. If if you had if you if you had put me on the start and said, dude, where's this guy from? Even though I've 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 seen this thing so many times, I'm have I'm have, I'm have cocked up there to be honest. So the fact I'm just saying that the fact that I knew that that means he actually read up on the guy. But um Namdi, since you're on and you wanted to correct us, you can you can help <laughs> us out here. Um Neto. He's he's looking so much better after his injury. To be fair, me, I thought I don't I don't really think much of him. You know, I feel like you know I still need to see a little bit more till I bring him back to like the heights that he was when he first went away for um injury. But how do you see the guy? A lot of Arsenal fans like him. Do you like him? Man, Nigerian fans we call him in Pius Acadia. You know, it's plenty of pace. Can beat a man, can make defenders a little scared because he can get in behind you. But I'm not really, yeah, over the weekend he forced a goal. But is he really the guy who can get you multiple goals off the flanks like uh, Diaby or Saka? I'm not convinced. I'm with you on that. You know, not that I don't think much of him, but he's young and we haven't seen all his talents develop just yet. Do we want him at Arsenal? Was that the question you asked? Or are you speculating slightly? I, I, I don't know. I, I haven't looked in his direction much. No, but, I, um, I feel like um, there are like rumours that Arsenal are interested. I mean, we're interested in a lot of people. But there are rumours that Arsenal are interested. Yeah. And people like him as a backup for Saka. I don't... I mean, the way he looks too big to be a backup, to be honest. When I say too big, I don't mean that he's that... I'm just, I'm just thinking price-wise, we'll, we'll have to spend north of like 60M. To get this kind yeah. of guy, to be a yeah. backup, and that just seems way too much, you know. But at the same time, if if um if Mikel wants him, I'm not going to argue with that. Definitely bring him on, put him in there, and, and let's see what let, let's see what he can do. But with City dropping, just, position, but go on. Um, but, you about to say something? I'm just sorry to to cut across. I was just going to say that with the kind of backup players that we already have. Nelson, Smith Rowe, guys who can play off the flanks and cut in. I don't know that I want any other unproven talents. In the upper reaches of football now, end product is is the goal, really, right? And Neto isn't there yet. I, I would sooner take someone like Doku at City, although I think Alex was the one. Yeah, Alex said he's not... He's probably at Alex probably thinks he's at the same level as as Neto, 
But I think looking at his game, looking at Doku's game, I can see a lot more incision, a lot more end product potentially coming from Doku than I would of the Neto. But then again, I haven't watched a lot of Wolves. I'm not going to pretend that I have in-depth knowledge on their game or what Neto is about. I did watch that game at the weekend. And he's exciting, but he's also young. When you're 24, and you're still exciting, like Lingard once was once one year, people are going to look away from you. And that might just be the way it ends up in Neto. Uh, fair enough. Um, and um, to just quickly go to um, Alex first here. Um, City dropped those points. Without, without Rodri, they dropped those points. They faced Arsenal in um, next game week. You know, um, how closely are you looking at City? I know, do you feel like this is a chance for Liverpool as well to see that, you know, you know, Liverpool lost this weekend, City lost this weekend. Great thing, right? Yep, yep. I think um, I think I mentioned a few weeks back to you guys where I said, for me, Arsenal are favourites for this league. And I haven't, my mind hasn't changed there. I really liked it while I'm saying and tell me, what, what do you mean, the City, yada, yada, yada. I really don't think their summer buys were as great as you guys have been gassing them up to be. They've been decent. Good buys coming to the job. I think they're missing one too many clutch players that they've had over the past season. So I'm not going to repeat what I said in the last episode because you can go listen to it. But I think Arsenal, in my opinion, are favourites for this game, especially because there's no Rodri. And I, I believe he's at the Emirates. Am I correct? Yeah, it's at the Wait, Pissel yeah. uh, can come. Yeah, home game. game. Yeah, this will this this will be the best chance for you guys to beat them <laughs> like in a long time. No KDB, no Rodri, no no experience there when it comes to the likes of like Mares and um Gundogan. Like you can actually you can actually take three points off City, which is not something that a lot of clubs do. So I think Arsenal can go into this game full of confidence and I think Arsenal will actually get the three points which I'm not happy about because I'm actually scared more like when it comes to Arsenal than Man City this season, as weird as that sounds. So the last thing we need is to give Arsenal that momentum that I think this game will give them. So as a Liverpool fan, I'm hoping you guys draw. If anyone is going to win, I want City to win because I still think they'll drop more points later on than Arsenal. Because I think this season, Arsenal look like they're on it. So I don't want Arsenal to win this game. But sadly, I think you guys will, especially with no Rodri. All right, and um, your bad belly has not gone unnoticed. Just put it out there. It hasn't yeah, gone unnoticed. It hasn't <laughs> gone unnoticed. I, I, I've noticed it. But um, uh, Fisaya, right here on uh, on what um uh, Alex has said here about City and their team and how he has more confidence in Arsenal for this weekend that is coming. Arsenal do have some players out, but yeah. still, you feel like he's not far off the mark, is he? So okay, in um isolation let's look at the arsenal city game in isolation i agree that this would be like perfect opportunity because rodri is missing um he like i don't think a lot of people understand how influential he is like since they signed him since pep signed uh rodri no one else has played more games in the premier league then, like, if for all their teams, like in all competitions, Rodri has played the most games. Like, he doesn't get injured. I think that was his first red card he's ever got since he's been there. Like, he's so good. When Pep like rotates and puts this person, Rodri always plays. 
So him missing those games, like it's big. So that's why I said in isolation, that's a huge game for Arsenal, like a opportunity where like they can try and win that midfield battle. But where I disagree with Alex is where it says he doesn't see City winning the league. This is the same thing people said last season when like Cancelo was gone and this person was, and they all said, oh no, like City are weaker. And then they went on and won the treble. Like once January comes round, something just ignites and Pep, Pep, like Pep's a winner. He knows that. And then this players, Diaz, Stones, they know they've been there. They've done it. So like, it just turns like, so I don't agree. Like they wouldn't be as strong as last season. I still have them as favorites. But this game in isolation without Rodri, without De Bruyne, without Bernardo Silva, Stones is injured. It's a it's a huge chance for Arsenal to like go in and say, okay, let's let's try and dominate. Don't get too excited. Just play, impose yourself on the game. Even if it's like a dirty one nil, take it. Fair enough. Fair enough. And um the way Arsenal played them in the Crystal Palace game, I really wish Party was available, but you know, they're missing Rodri, we're missing Party. We'll have to figure out another way to get through that. But you know, uh, Man City dropping points yesterday. Good for everyone that they've lost this, they have perfect record and uh, start to the season. And uh, talking about someone's start to the season that has gone awry as well. Well, not Man City obviously didn't go awry, but it's going awry at um at Old Trafford. Um, I was right waiting now. for this. Yes. <laughs> Besides, yes. what's his name? Shall I didn't want any of this smoke. smoke? I swear, shall I didn't want any of it? But don't worry. I have a feeling they will lose a little bit more this season. So we'll have time to come back and deal with them. And, <laughs> you know, we were speaking... Um, Alex, we were talking about ball play keepers earlier. And... Onana was brought in to be this ball-playing keeper that will allow um, United with the build-up play. And when he comes in, it will open out a lot. And I just don't know. United are still playing the same way they were last season. Quick transition football with Rashford. And they are, right now, last season, he got them the points. But this season, it's not getting them those points. So how do you see United's game yesterday? And how do you see their season moving forward? I think United are in trouble, huge, huge, huge trouble. And this, I'm not. This is no knee-jerk reaction. I think we've all we've all pretty much said the same thing in, in our groups, and we've watched United for long enough to see that they're going backwards and fast. I think the biggest issue they have. I'm not going to go too too deep on them in terms of analysis, but their biggest issue is that they just seem confused on the pitch and off the pitch. The entire club looks confused. I think Eric Ten Hag doesn't know what he wants to do in terms of playing staff. He doesn't know what he wants to do in terms of style of football. Like you've just rightly said, he's got this goalkeeper in to be a ball-playing goalkeeper, but they're not playing to his strengths. I don't think he's a great goalkeeper to start with, but for what ETH wants to do, Onana should be able to do that job. Unfortunately for him, a lot of his players are either, there's lots of form, some of them have not kicked on, some of them are just misprofiled. So there's a lot of confusion at that club. I don't really see how they get any better because we all banter Chelsea every day. But with Chelsea, in my opinion, I, there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel because when the likes of the same players missing, when they come back, and you can see they're still young, they're all gelling. Uh, United, they keep saying injuries. Amorat is back. They're saying injuries. The only two players that are out now, Luke Shaw and Martinez, and look, Sean Martinez are not changing anything for United. 
So what they have, they've got to have. To, they need to make it work. And I don't think Ten Hag is going to be able to get the best out of these players. And long and short, he's just going to get to a point where they get rid of him. Because I don't mm. see how this ends good for him. Let's be honest. He's fighting everyone. The players seem to be losing faith in him. Let's be honest. And their fans are now jumping on some of their big players. The likes of Rashford and Bruno again stick online. So when you look at the entire club, like, where's the saviour? They're waiting for this Haaland light to come and save them. He's a good, good up-and-coming striker, but he's no saviour. So I think it's going to be a long season for them. I could see them getting rid of Ten Hag. They get someone in to just come on, try and just settle the ship. But United are probably going to end up finishing like sixth or seventh, personally, wow. because I really don't see anything changing drastically. Um, one thing I will say about all of that is when I look at um, United, I don't feel as bad as them, as bad as you feel. I feel like ETH will figure it out because I always felt like ETH was a very good manager. You know, I feel like he will figure it out. But there are so many off-field issues with um, United. And one thing about United is they are divided on a lot of things, including their owners. Yep. And yep. when a club is divided like that, you know, it's very, very hard for you guys to push towards the common goal, you know, because you, you guys are not moving as one. You know, people are saying this, you know, there was the gay thing last year. And now this thing, the thing that's starting right now is the Rashford Ward. Even though to some extent, Rashford... Pretty much all the United fans are getting on board here. But that's the way they were about him two seasons ago. And then he turned up and dropped like 30 goals on them. And then, you know, they gave him a new contract. So, with the way United are, are looking, uh, and it's not looking good, like I said. One other thing that uh, I kind of disagree with, I want to bring you, Larry, here on this, is, is that Luke Shaw and Martinez, you know, might not have that much of an impact. I feel like some of these games that end 1-0, United actually keep that clean sheet if Luke Shaw and Martinez are free, are, are fit, sorry, because of how good they were last season and how well they work on that left side. How do you feel the um, absence of those two key players have affected United this season? Um, I don't... That's, a, that's an interesting question. Um... As you said, I think in my use problems is more institutionalized than you know than one or two players being present or or absent. It's just there's just so many issues, and um, I think there's also a lot of infighting within the um the team and the club itself. So I'm it's difficult to tell, but I don't necessarily think that those players being around would would change much. Sure, I mean there might be. You know, a couple of games here and there that they might, you know, you know, win or or they wouldn't lose per se. But overall, there's still just a big you know, mentality shift that needs to be done, and I honestly don't know how how that can be done. And you know, just like um, Alex did, so I'm going to use use that to sort of bring in another shameless blogger to Arteta as to how he was able to transform. Because honestly, four seasons ago, it's it it's debatable, but I guess you could argue that four five seasons ago Arsenal were probably in a worse position than I don't know than 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 Man U are at this point in time. 
And yet, Arteta was able to sort of transform the club within a short period. And it took a lot because, again, we had to sort of change change the mentality of the fans um, to get behind, you know, the, 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 the team. And then also restructuring internally. And I say, when well, it just starts cooking, what is cooking? And just a lot of other changes too. So a lot needs to be done from from inside, inside the soul of the, of the and the heart of the management itself. So I don't think one or two players being around would, would, would bring a, a, an overall big shift in the way they've been playing and the results that they've been they've been obtaining in my opinion all right thanks thanks for shooting me down i'll know better to come to you next time but good one um <laughs> and uh i think Pissarro's had this up Pissarro, uh one thing i wanted to ask you about as well um rashford a lot of united fans are targeting him you know they feel like his decision making is all over the place and you know whatever he's doing right now is not getting him the goals or assists so far what's your feeling on rashford so the funny thing is, I don't think he's changed as a player. So what he was doing last season is still what he's doing this season. But last season, what Ten Hag was doing, they were playing counter-attacking football. So um, United were always breaking quick and they were spacing behind. So Rashford would always get space. And the same thing he would do, he would cut in, shoot, try and dribble three people, shoot. But he was scoring, so people didn't complain. But this season, people have clocked. There are two things. People have clocked out a play, so they're not they're not giving them that much space in behind. And some teams are doubling up on Rashford. So he's still trying to do the same thing, but he's like, he, he might beat the first player, but then the second one gets the ball. And obviously, people are getting pissed off because he's not passing. He's going to have to learn how to, like, play against that and that, that's what happens with all the great players once like they have like this amazing season next season people start doubling up they start getting extra attention and what makes like what separates good players from great players is how they adapt to that so he's gonna have to like figure out a way like you can't always like hold the ball and try and beat everyone on your own and yes you had a great season last season but you need your teammates sometimes you have to like pass move without the ball and let them find you in space you can't try and do it all on your own and the second thing I think that's like affecting them as well is I think Tenag is trying to move away from that counter-attacking football. He's trying to make them um, be a more possession-based team. Last season, that's why he tried for De Jong so much because he wanted that, that player who would like run things through the midfield. And I think this season, in preseason, he tried to change the style. But then a lot of their first team, they have a lot of injuries. I think like eight first team players are injured. So... Mm -hmm like everything is just like going wrong for them at the same time the greenwood thing that whole thing with the fans then anthony having to go away and try and clear his name then this the whole thing with sancho and ten hog so it's just wow. like always there's something if it's not the injuries is ten hog fighting with someone if it's not this it's oh the owners uh don't want to so it's, it's just rotten in the club and everything's just affecting them yeah, too much sorry drama to, in there. Sorry to box in though, but because I, I mm -hmm. don't think they've got eight first name injuries. Let's not let's not cut them any slack. They don't have eight <laughs> first names. No. Alex wants to be clear about that, but go on. Yes. Let's <laughs> Alex mention them. Look sure, Martinez. That's it. First team. Bro, Anthony's out. No, he's, he's talking back. about defensive. Defense. Did you just mention defensive? Uh, no, I said first no. team. I said first oh, team. AWB oh, is yeah, out as well, though. Yeah, Wan Bissaka. 
Yeah, 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 but Wambasaka, Wambasaka and Dalo were fighting for that spot. Like I won't say Alex, Alex. Seen, and they and they changed dramatically. Alex, let's be honest. Alex, mm. still look yeah. at this. Okay. Shaw injured. Malasia yes, injured. Martinez. Wait, Ma- Malasia what? doesn't start though. He's not Alex. Fighting. Let me let me <laughs> land. Malasia. Let me land. Shaw's injured. Okay. If Shaw's injured, who's gonna play? Malasia. He's injured. They went and got Regulon. Guess what? Injured. Martinez, who can play there? Injured. Wan Bissaka will play right back and maybe push Dalo there. Injured. That's five. Anthony raped someone, or maybe not. He's out dealing with police, whatever. I think Varane just came back. Yeah. So, so yeah, they so have like. Yeah. We can cut them a little slack. Mount was out. Mount, was, Mount just came <laughs> back as well. And yeah. they lost. So I'm just telling you, they have yeah, Fair enough, yeah. but I think Chelsea can Chelsea can use that same stick as well. Anyway, I, I get your point, but I think I think we're being too lenient on them calling injuries because right. let's be honest, I think they're only missing two players. Two. Everyone else are players that they can get by. This is United. Come on. Well, yeah, no, it's not just, but it's a com- it's a combination of everything. It's it's the injuries and then like the change in formation and people like. I think now people don't. There's no fair factor as well. So people are like, oh, it's Man yeah. whatever. We'll go toe to toe with you. So everything yep. is just yeah. All right, fair enough. Um, and uh, just uh, we've been going on for a while, so we'll probably go off soon. But I want to give Wahala the last word here. Um, uh, on ETH, um, uh, Michelle mentioned something there. You know that Ra- I'm sorry, Rashford is getting double up, doubled up on. A lot of teams are beginning to figure him out. Isn't that something that Ten Hag should have you know foreseen and should have a much better plan? To defeating that kind of um, of reaction from other teams. Well, so the thing is, let's leave Ten Hag out of this. Well, not leave him out, but let's not put any blame on him. You know, I can only imagine that he has a lot of things he's trying to figure out, including the institutional trouble that Larry alluded to earlier. But generally, I think with Rashford, it's a case where. He's one of those players who can only play a certain way. So, even if you were to try to figure out how to overcome the situation with players figuring him out and, you know, trying to get one over him, I still think that Rashford wants to take the ball, bend a run in behind the, bend a run in behind the defense and come right to left. So what you want to do as a manager to compensate for that limited um, effectiveness is perhaps to create more options. You can't have Rashford as your key man any longer. You can't have him as your your main danger. Let me put it that way. And I think that if Ten Hag were to figure out how to make somebody else attract the attention to allow Rashford more space, then maybe they'd have more chance of success. That's what I'd say on that. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, I think we need to give him more. more. Uh, we need to look at him a little bit more. Because like I said, at the start of the, you know, the, of this particular discussion, discussion, I actually think I rate him um, quite highly. You know, I'm rate, I rate him higher than, than Mikel. You know, in, in the league right now, if you ask me who are the top five managers, wow. most likely, most likely wow. I'll, I'll put him there. I'm serious. Damn, when you came to United, I wow. do, I do. I rate him. I actually, I agree too. with D-Man on this one. Oh. I rate him. So I feel like this kind of, 
problem is it kind of the Rashford problem shouldn't be a problem because Rashford is what he is. You know, he isn't going to ch- he like. I don't feel like you should be looking for Rashford to improve his passing. I I think that if you try to do that to Rashford, you take away that killer instinct, and that killer instinct is what Rashford is all about, right? You know, and if you have that kind of player and you've given him a three hundred thousand, you know, pound contract, you should have situations, tactics that you can use for him so that he doesn't get exposed the way he's doing, um, so that you guys are able to, you know, get better um, supply from him, blah, blah, blah. So I feel until Rashford begins to pick up again, I feel like ETH needs to sort that out by himself. Now, whether they are, you know, we can kind of like give him a little leeway because they have injuries and shit is pretty much sideways at the cinema of nightmares, like, yeah, why not? We can give them that, you know. <laughs> but let's not say he has to. Basketball, go- I, I like that one. I like that one. I like that one. <laughs> he, has to, he, has to, he has to fix this problem. And um, so, it, you know what? So I think we can leave it there. If we, um, if I bring up another topic, we'll be here till tomorrow. And I don't know what's going on with you guys, but uh, I have shit to do. So <laughs> Prediction tomorrow, though. Prediction tomorrow. Fulham Chelsea before we all leave. Ah, yes, Fulham Chelsea. I, th- I think Fulham, I think Fulham get done. Chelsea won their last match um against Brighton. Might give them a little bit of confidence. And that Fulham defense is not great. Um, Leno has saved them a couple times and they've gotten lucky a few times. So I think they might just get done at Fulham. Um three one, three one Fulham. Three one Fulham. Two one Fulham. I see a draw. One oh. One oh. All right, fair enough. Larry, did you say something? I'll say a draw too. I'll say a draw. Yeah. One All yeah. right. Thank you. So thank you guys. Sorry, Scoop. final note before we oh. leave. Uh, just a quick shout out to to Inandi. I mean, that's his idea of, of having a league for referees. It's 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 a weirdly stupid idea, but it's also quite a quite a bit of a brilliant one. I don't know if it's an original thought, but I think that same concept can be applied to a lot of. You don't things. know if it's an original thought. I don't wow. know if it's an original thought, I, but yeah, I, I think that. I also want to. I, I think we should sort of also adopt <laughs> that 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 um that whole structure for accents on this pod. I think we should have a league accent because Alex has like four accents <laughs> on his own already. Kakwe <laughs> has like three. <laughs> so we should just have an accent of a league accent and you know promote and demote some 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 people. Because yeah, I can't keep up. Thank 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 you for that. Thank you for that. Like appreciate you guys coming on. This has been fun. This has been so good. I wish we could keep on talking, man. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you are still here with us, I really appreciate you guys on. And um yeah, I think that's it. Have a good one. Have a great week. And we will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Love, love, love.